Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In today's episode I'm chatting to Kelly Andrews about her two home births. Kelly has actually just started a project called The Fairy Turtle, where she creates upcycled garments. All profits go to Sisters Inside, an independent community organisation advocating for the human rights of First Nations women and girls in the prison system and providing services to meet their individual needs. If you would like to support Kelly and Sisters Inside, you can find The Fairy Turtle on Instagram at the underscore fairy underscore turtle. And I'll leave links to her page as well as Sisters Inside in the show notes so you can support her or you can donate directly to Sisters Inside as well. Kelly birthed both of her daughters at home and had very different but beautiful and empowering births. With Banjo, her first daughter, Kelly had a long labour and birth which ended in a hospital transfer after birth due to excessive bleeding and retained membranes. During Wilkie's pregnancy, Kelly experienced a condition where her heart rate suddenly increased and changed in rhythm. She was lucky to get treated and discharged from hospital quickly and went on to have a fast, powerful birth at home. This time around, Kelly opted for a managed third stage, and although she did still experience heavy bleeding, it was able to be managed at home. Kelly takes us right through both of those births, and along the way we discuss consent in the context of the hospital system, experiencing pleasurable feelings during birth, and the importance of prioritising a woman's experience of birth as well as just a healthy baby at the end. Kelly had a birth photographer at both of her births and the images are absolutely amazing so make sure you check those out um, on my Instagram page. And I'll let Kelly share her story. Hi Kelly, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Hi, good thank you. Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family? So... I have a partner, Yorgi, and we have two girls, Banjo, who's almost three, and Wilkie, who's just turned 11 months. Um, We are from Hobart, but we now live in Adelaide, and um, yeah. Mm. How how are you guys in South Australia spending your time at the moment with COVID happening? Are you in lockdown as well? um, we were for a little while, but it's been freed up for a while now. So we, like, we can't go back to the library, but I have been going back to the gym and we've been going back to playgrounds, which has been nice. Um, so yeah, much freer for us here than it is for you, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're right in the thick of it still, unfortunately. It's, yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been tough, but I think probably a little bit for me, at least easier this time around. Beautiful. So we might get started with Banjo. Um, was she a planned pregnancy or how did you and Yogi come to conceive her? <laughs> she was planned, but um, we sort of, it was, we'd, we'd always talked about having kids and it was a one day thing. But then just one night I was like, why don't we just make a baby? Like, let's just have a baby. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, oh, all right then. Um, so like we stopped using protection um and then i think we yeah we had like unprotected sex that time and then i think 
the second time I was like, oh, so are we trying for a baby again this time or not? And we're like, oh, let's toss a coin. <laughs> Leave it up to fate. Why not? And we tossed the coin and it was like tails or something, whatever it meant. It was no, like no baby. And so together we're both just like, uh, let's ignore the coin. Let's go for it. <laughs> so, so she was planned. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> and did you know straight away or start having symptoms? Like, how did you find out? Yeah, it, it was the first time we got pregnant straight away, basically. And I think I just, I'd, I, I felt a little feeling like I thought, oh, that's stuck kind of thing. Like, which I know, like, actually, biologically, it wouldn't have, nothing would have happened yet. But I just thought, to myself, I must have somehow known I was ovulating or something. I don't know. But yeah, I just went, oh, I reckon that's a baby. And then so I checked straight away when my period was like a week or, sorry, not a week or two, a day or two late, because I'm very regular, like, you know, 28 days, bang, bang. Um, and yeah, we found out together. And even then, I was just like, oh my God, are you sure? <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I do it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you hadn't had very much time to sort of um, come to terms with the fact that it was going to be so soon. <laughs> That's kind of our style, you know, we're like impulsive and boots and all and we just, yeah, spontaneous mm. and it's worked out brilliantly. It's, yeah, that seems to work for us. <laughs> yeah, and were you living in Adelaide by that time already? No, we, so we were in Hobart and Yogi was studying, um, and we, were, we were both studying and um, we didn't move to Adelaide. We've only, be, we've only been in Adelaide just under a year. So we moved when Wilkie was maybe five weeks old. Oh, wow. That's, that's a big move with a newborn. Or maybe, yeah, yeah. Mm. So after you found out that you were pregnant, did you have much of an idea of how you wanted to birth or... Um, where did you start looking for some antenatal care? Well, so I, I have a bit of a background in like um, in sociology. So I used to um, teach classes at the University of Newcastle and I kind of specialised in public health stuff and health sociology just because like my, my supervisor and my mentor was really involved in that. Um, and so I got classes, you know, under her. And so I, I did, I was aware that hospital practices don't necessarily reflect evidence-based best care. Um, just, you know, in the periphery of my mind, I, I knew that. Um, and then I also, back in Newcastle, I worked for um, like a production company that made the documentary Face of Birth. And so I'd seen that and that, so I was aware of like, you know, Noni Hazelhurst as a home birther and, you know, and, but even so, I still, um, maybe a year or two before I felt pregnant, had this like ridiculous, to my, you know, to my mind, um, a ridiculous attitude about birthing that, like, for example, I feel so terrible about this still. Like my friend fell pregnant or was pregnant and she was, a few months off giving birth and I was like, how are you going to get it out? <laughs> to the, like, oh my God, it has to come out somehow. What are you going to do? And she just like was terrified and she's like, I don't know. Like, And she ended up having um, a cesarean and I just thought that that 
for me, I thought, of course you would have a cesarean. Like, how the hell are you going to have a natural birth? That is ridiculous. Like, I'd seen nothing that was that had uh, was able to override this, like, cultural fear that had been so deeply embedded in my mind about what birth was like and, and you know, basically just thought it was impossible to have a natural birth that wasn't traumatic really um but I guess when it happened to me I started yeah just reading about it and and thinking about it and I was really quite actually initially attracted to free birthing um (laughs) to the horror of my partner (laughs) so I like did a massive backflip um on like what I thought I would do but um I, I I still had a very much an open mind. So when I knew I was pregnant, I went to my GP, you know, did that confirmation test and um, she asked what I'd like to do and I just said, oh, I guess I'd like to explore all of my options. So like I booked in with the hospital and had a, you know, had a booking in with them just to see what was available. And um, I started going through, I was quite early, so I started going through the MGP program um but I just I very quickly found that I just did not like being in hospital environment um it made me on edge straight away and I didn't like the way I was treated I felt like cattle you know I just felt like you know a number at the deli sort of thing (laughs) and when I met but I I went through the whole thing because I really wanted to be as informed as I could about and be as sure about what choice I was making. So I still thought, oh, maybe I'll free birth, maybe I'll home birth, maybe I'll go through the hospital, I'll see what works. But, um, you know, when I had my first meeting with my MGP midwife, um, I sort of said to her, so, like, what will you do for me? Like, why would I be best, you know, coming through this program with you? And she said, oh, well, I can give you a cannula if you're tired. <laughs> and that was her first response. Oh. And I was sort of, ex- yeah, it's like straight away, it's like this intervention and like what to me, like a needle in your arm is uncomfortable. And there was, I was expecting, well, that depends, you know, what sort of birth do you want? What do you value? You know, like, but yeah, I just, I thought she might want to get to know me first before she or at least maybe even talk about advocating for me or something like that. But, no, it was just, oh, I can just give you a needle. <laughs> it sounds like she almost thought you were asking, like, what perks can you get if you stay with her or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose, like, there might have been some miscommunication as well or, like, a misunderstanding between us. Um, maybe she's not used to people coming in with my expectations sort of thing. But um, And even then she was like, oh, now I'll, now I'll check the baby. And I thought, oh, I just would have preferred to have been treated like, oh, would you like me to, to check the baby? I can, I can do an ultrasound now if you'd like. You know, you, do you know what I mean? Just very, I'm, I'm quite sensitive to those very subtle um, sort of, things that happen in language and, you know, that exchange of power and respect, um, I'm very, very in tune with that. And I just felt like I wasn't being treated like um, I had options or that I had choices. I was just sort of being put through this um, 
system. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't like it. Yeah, it's about consent, really, isn't it? When someone tells you that they're going to do something to you, it doesn't really. Mm. Um, then you've got to be really proactive about, you know, stopping and giving your consent if you're happy to go ahead. But if somebody just asks, it just makes it really smooth and easy and reminds you that you have the choice. Exactly, yeah. And I didn't want to have to be on edge and be, you know, vigilant about things. You know, I wanted to just let go and be able to trust and I just wasn't feeling that in, in that environment. Mm. Um, and mentioning consent, actually, I'll... Um, refer back to my eight-week scan or my eight-week ultrasound, which I didn't realise wasn't even necessary, but I, I went for it thinking it was like, I don't know, you had to get it kind of thing. And um, the, the person who did it for me, the woman who did it, she kept asking me over and over again, you know, would you like an internal... Um, ultrasound it's it's much better it's much um uh, more accurate you know she kept and I and I sort of was like oh I'm not sure you know oh, I don't know you know if, I'll see if I sort of I wasn't I didn't quite understand that like it didn't actually matter like you didn't know need to have like you know precision accuracy viewing of you know the eight-week fetus or whatever but she kept asking me over and over again, would you Would you like it, would you like it? And I was like, oh, you know, I never said no outright, but I was just like, oh, I don't, no, I'm not sure, no. And because she continually asked me over and over again, not recognising how uncomfortable I was, and I felt like I had no choice but, I, but to say yes, because if I said no, it would too awkward or uncomfortable or I would make it weird if I said no because she kept asking and asking and asking and so like I didn't realize that I was being coerced into that transvaginal ultrasound until I you know I sort of left and I cried and I just felt so violated and um so little by little I was just getting these really negative experiences um with the medical system and with, you know, just sort of, yeah, just violating my my space and my body. Um, mm. Yeah, and on that, I mean, I think sometimes the idea of giving consent can seem really black and white, but it's actually quite complicated and it depends mm. on whether you're actually informed of why that needs to happen and given all the information or, and, and then there's a, a power imbalance can make a big difference to whether, you know, consent is, is really consent. And, um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it can be quite complicated and I think realising that is a bit of a journey. So depending on where you're at with that journey, you know, you can come away from something feeling like you didn't give consent even though you did to, mm. you know, in their mind. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. So we might just move on to your pregnancy. How how was your pregnancy with Banjo? Did you have any symptoms or health complaints come up at all? Uh, I had the typical um, but fairly mild um, morning sickness and tiredness, um, but that didn't last very long and I just... I felt amazing like I just felt so phenomenal in like my pregnant body and yeah I felt really good the whole time and mm. I was still able to to move and exercise um yeah 
and it was wonderful. I was doing all the, you know, pregnancy yoga and meeting some nice other women and, yeah, it's great. Mm. And at what point did you decide or make the decision to move away from the MGP and look at, um, I'm assuming you hired a private midwife for your home birth? Yeah, so um, that after that, after that meeting of the MGP midwife who was going to be my midwife, I just said, oh, no, I don't think this is for me. And I, I left and then um, talked to my partner about it and I said, oh, maybe we'll, we'll speak to a home birth midwife um, and see what we think. And he was so relieved, the poor guy. Because <laughs> so the other option was just doing it at home, which I'm, I totally support, but I'm really glad that's not the decision we made. Um, yeah, so we met Annie and she, at the time, I didn't realise, but she was the only practising or the only available midwife in our area at the time. So I was so lucky to get in with her and um, I had her for Wilkie as well because we just loved her. Um, and I, I don't yeah. know what the care is like in Tasmania, but did she practise with another midwife or was it just her? And um, what did yeah, what did the care look like? Yeah, um, so she has to have another midwife um, back up during the birth, um, and I was this is I was so lucky because I had Annie who um, oh god how many years I'm not sure how many decades worth of experience that she has but a lot and um, Elizabeth was the second midwife that she brought in and she was just off retirement I think I might have been one of the last births that she attended um, but she had also attended Annie's births so there was just this beautiful um, I don't know just depth of knowledge and experience and connection between these women and, and with me that just was phenomenal. Mm, that's so beautiful and amazing that you got to have her for both of the, your births as well. Yeah, truly. Mm -hmm. And did she have um, practicing rooms where, nearby where you were living or did she come for your antenatal visits at the home? Yeah, she just came to our house and it was on my lounge or in our, in our bedroom. Yeah. And she was mm -hmm. really chill. And Annie's like one very relaxed. Um, so <laughs> she, and I just loved how she just always said, oh, you're progressing beautifully. I mean, I did have a very textbook pregnancy and birth um so you know it was true of her to, to keep saying oh it's beautiful it's progressing beautifully and all that but I just it meant so much to me to just have this positive energy and she just had complete faith in me the whole time that um I'd be able to birth beautifully and all this so I, that though though that constant positive affirmation and and her faith like just really strengthened me Mm. And we might just, in the interest of time, head straight into the birth. So what were some early signs of your labour with Banjo starting? So she went almost to 42 weeks, so I ended up going to the hospital to get a scan. Yeah, so we got, like, the test to just see if everything was going well, and it, and it was. However, the doctor came in, so this is, like, 40, 40 weeks and 10 days, the doctor came in and said, um, you'll need to book in for um, an induction. And I said, oh, no, like, we're not interested. I'm happy to just um, wait and 
and go spontaneously. And she said, well, you do realise that stillbirth is um, going to increase exponentially every day from now, or the possibility of stillbirth. And I, <laughs> and I just said, well, I'm comfortable with that. Because I knew it went from, you know, like 1% to 2%, you know, so there's still like a 98% chance of having, you know, a, a normal birth. Um, but just, yeah, the fear mongering started instantly. And she even went so far to lie to us and said, oh, I'm speaking to your um, midwife on the phone, which she was. And she said, your midwife told me that she sent you in here to, to make an induction booking. <laughs> and I was just like, no, she didn't. My midwife <laughs> would never <laughs> have done that. Um, and then she said, oh, well, you can't go yet. We need to monitor you more. And obviously she was trying to look for something wrong so she could pressure us into booking in. And she said, well, if you don't book in now, we can't guarantee that you'll have a bed. Or, you know, just laying it on so thick. Um, and I just I just consented to everything. I just sat there and got the things put back on again. But And she left. And luckily um, the nurse or midwife, I'm not sure, she came in and she said, look, honey, don't worry. I'm taking all these off. You go home. Everything's fine. <laughs> so I was like, oh, thank you. So I went home and then next night, I think I got some acupuncture. And then the next night, um, you know, we made the house beautiful and had like a really big cuddle and then just like crack. My water went um, and it must have been like hind water or something like that. I'm not sure, but because it did pop again right before birth. Um, but yeah, within, so from the waters breaking um, to birth was about 25 hours, I think. Wow. And did you start getting some surges straight away? After your water broke? I did pretty much, yes. And uh, like it was about 10 at night when I when my water broke and then I started getting, um, yeah, the pains. And I wasn't able to sleep. I tried to sleep, but I either I was too excited. I was just like running around the house, getting it all ready. Like <laughs> my partner was sleeping, thank goodness. Um, but I the pain was too constant and too strong to, to sleep as well. Um but it sort of slowed down again the next morning. Had you called your midwife at all to let her know what was happening? <laughs> yeah, I was so excited. Like when it was <laughs> to six o'clock, I'm like, call her. Like, we'll just wait, you know, she might be asleep. And she was the poor thing. Like we should have waited. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I just want, I just thought it was all going to happen now. And, um, and which is, you know, like, which shows how, important it was that I actually did have support and I wasn't going to free birth because I just I don't have the right personality for that I'm not calm enough like I was so I was so extra <laughs> <laughs> like so we did hypnobirthing so I used a lot of those techniques to sort of remain calm and just like keep down in myself and jumped in the pool probably a bit too early but like I was able to just lay there and be really calm and breathe. And um, I remember hearing my midwife, like she, Annie came over um, sort of in maybe midday afternoon. I'm not sure. It's all hazy for me. But um, um, it just like just before it was ramping up, she came over and um, 
yeah, I'm laying in there just like breathing through it, the surges, and she's like, oh, look, she's blissing out. And I like, that snapped me out of it. And I got up, I'm like, I am not, I am faking it. Oh. <laughs> I just thought like, you know, fake it till you make it. Just pretend it's beautiful and it's so lovely. And you know, <laughs> like snapping at my poor midwife. And like the whole time I was like ridiculous, just like crying and I can't do this. And like Elizabeth would hold my hand and she'd say, you're a champion. Oh, you're such a champion. And um, I think like the tears were like pretty intense at one point that Elizabeth was getting a bit worried and Annie sort of came home. She's like, that is excellent crying, Kelly, excellent crying. <laughs> oh, they sound so beautiful. It must have been <laughs> Yeah, it must be really lovely to have older midwives and more experienced midwives like really get into that mothering maternal sort of role for you. They really did. And I did actually really need it because um, I had been having all this drama with my own maternal line. Um, and I, that was actually my, yeah, I, I'd had all, all these... Uh, very toxic ruptures with my maternal line um, and they're still unresolved today. Um, so I needed that maternal love and, you know, that, that um, yeah, that support from, from that sort of grandmother, mother kind of energy. Um, but, yeah, I, mm, I so was carrying on and, and losing a lot of energy and I ref was refusing to eat and I was refusing to take any honey water except from Elizabeth. I would let her give me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd tell Annie and Yogi to rack off. And, um, uh, yeah, so I think you mentioned it was sort of late afternoon when they got there or afternoon So and that's when things started to ramp up a bit. Um, mm. once, once you sort of were in active labour, how did things progress from there and how were you kind of managing the pain at that time? Um, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> With a, a lot of fear, like, oh, you know, because, you know, when you when you get that relief, when it stops, you come down, you're like, oh, thank God. And then when it, because they were coming in quick, they'll be like, no, 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 it's coming again. <laughs> like, and they were, you know, telling me to do the horsey braying and, you know, just breathe and relax and go with it. And I really needed that um, hands-on support to really keep keep me going because it, it was really important to me that I was able to get to the finish line without interventions. Um, and it got to the point, so I, you know, I had vomiting and it got to, like, so just after transition, Annie started getting worried that I was getting too exhausted and maybe I would need a transfer for like an epidural or something. And so she said, is it okay if I do an internal and see how you're progressing? And I said, okay. And um, she put her hand in me and she just like, ah, oh, there's heaps of room. Oh, the baby's almost here. No worries. <laughs> and so that was really, um, really good for me to hear. And then I thought to myself, oh my God, she's getting worried. And I said, so there was some mental block that I had to overcome and I wasn't letting the baby out. And then that's, and I realised that. I said to her at one point, I was like, um, I can't do this. I don't love her enough. Well, I didn't know it was a her, but I'm like, I don't love them enough to do this. She's like, that's only a thought. It's not a truth. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Um, and yeah, so that was around that time. I just was like, okay, I had that resolve. I was like, I need to do this. Come on, Kelly, get yourself together. Stop being so ridiculous. You know, you're going to have this baby now. And then, so I just jumped in the pool and I think about 40 minutes later, I guess that was, yeah, the pushing stage. She was out and I was like on all fours. So she came out from behind and Annie and Yogi caught her and then um, I turned over and they put her up on my chest and yeah mm, the best so feeling beautiful. in the whole world best feeling ever yeah that's amazing <laughs> and how were you feeling did you stay in the water for a little while with, with her I did but um quickly it turned very red so I had to get out um and he was concerned about the amount of blood I was losing so I was on the, the lounge and um then past the placenta, um, I'm not sure, maybe half an hour or 40 minutes after birth. And then again, they were concerned with how much blood had come out. So um, they were giving me IV fluids and um, massage and everything. But I had to, Banjo was, um, she was feeding straight away. Um, breastfeeding class was super easy which was really lucky she just yeah latched on she had a, she has a massive mouth like <laughs> she was like huge so good for breastfeeding really and yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and so how did we end it up yeah you go oh well so the um she checked the placenta and there was pieces of my membranes missing so they must have been retained and um, and then she said, look, you know, you've lost a lot of blood and you've got retained membranes. I would recommend that we transfer you to hospital um, to get them removed and, you know, to get some, um, you know, whatever. And I said, so I consented and the ambulance came and picked me up and took me to hospital and I had... Um, had a small graze, so they gave me a few stitches for that. And were you able were you able to keep Banjo with you in the ambulance, or did they separate yes. you for the journey? Yeah. No, she was on my on my chest for the ambulance ride. And, mm. um, yeah, and I think just while I was getting the stitches and that sort of thing, Yorgi was holding her. But the poor guy, he had um, an exam that day, or like. It was sort of like four in the morning when he left the hospital and he had an exam at like 11 or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. And welcome to parenthood. Um, mm. Yeah, and I think I spent like two days in hospital and that was that was quite lovely. It's sort of a bit of a holiday for me. And, um, you know, everyone just bringing me food. And, and, um, so I, and I was, I mean, it's, it's not ideal to have, to have been transferred, but I got my you know, no intervention, drug-free birth. So I was I was happy enough. I didn't mind. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, like how you were feeling after it and whether your feelings about a future birth had changed or, yeah, I guess just whether there was any sort of processing you needed to do about how the end of your birth went. Yeah, no, I felt really comfortable with it. You can see, like, um, I was, I've got a photo. I had a photographer there and I'm sort of like getting wheeled out by the ambulance doing like a thumbs up with this like massive grin on my face like I was just I was so 
I don't know, just high, you know. I just, I did not mind at all. It was, mm. yeah. So um, jumping forwards a little bit to Wilkie, did, was she another planned baby as well? She was, yeah. I wanted to have like at least a year with Banjo. So then after her first birthday, we started trying again. And um, again, it was sort of first time. So I think we're a fairly fertile couple. <laughs> <laughs> and did you again find out straight away with her? Yes. And um, I had a, a girlfriend from England just like visiting us. Um, for a little while so I took the test while she was there so um, and I, I tried to surprise Yorgi with it and like got her to like film it and everything so it was going to be this like oh reveal to the dad and he was just like oh yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> like you ruined my video you're supposed to be like at least a bit happy he's like yeah I am <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know. I'm like, well, this video sucks. I can't show anyone. <laughs> uh, funny, funny in its own way. <laughs> and did you have a similar sort of pregnancy with her as well? Yeah, again, pretty textbook. I think I got, I've gotten really lucky in that sense. Um, um, yeah, I can't think of any. Yeah, it was pretty much the same. Mm. And you had the same, you had Annie again. Um, was there anything different about your care or any different kind of preparation that you did this time around? No, not just same again. I had her a little bit earlier this time, like the second time than the first time, but yeah, no. Hmm. Maybe get started. Uh, I think, oh, you I, had, um, I had a scan that showed I had a... Um, my placenta was like five mil away from the cervix um, at 20 weeks, and which is like super normal. And you know, in majority of cases, it just moves up as the uterus expands, and there's no problem. However, when the hospital got wind of this, um, it turned into an issue because I had um an SVT and I meant to actually look up what that stands for but it's um I think because I forget what it is but it's um a problem with your heart and I think it's like the electricity in your heart goes out of rhythm or something and so one night I must have been like 36 weeks or something like that I just my heart started like fluttering and I just I was like oh that's not comfortable when I went out to York and it's like oh my heart's funny and then he's like, oh, okay, like, what should we do? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then it started getting worse. I'm like, oh, I'm actually feeling really scared. Like, so we called Health Direct and he told them all the symptoms and they tried to talk to me, but by that time I couldn't talk and they just said, no, get an ambulance. Or was it they, I think they said we, they called an ambulance for us. And I was so lucky that the ambulance driver, the only one with, um, in the area who is like, specifically qualified to administer this specific drug was driving like five minutes away from our house and he's normally from like Oakland's or something like that so anyway he came to our house within five minutes and set me up with like um, this monitor and then gave me this drug 
they called it the control alt delete drug and it basically just like reset my heart and um straight away i just felt instant relief and they said normally people feel this like sense of dread as it starts working but like i, I didn't i just felt like oh thank god like it's i'm fine again so anyway that was a little bit of drama there but, and but um i went to the hospital and um in Tassie, in Hobart, you know, we've got a pretty bad situation with our health system where, like, you can have, you know, like 10 people ramped um, at a time. Um, but because I was pregnant, I got seen a bit quicker, but it was still, like, two hours maybe I was waiting in the hallway just on a stretcher. Wow. Um, yeah, like, it's it's really bad. Um, Isn't modern medicine amazing? Thank God for that <laughs> ambulance driver. Yeah, I was I was so lucky. Like just the stars aligned to um, to get me out of that situation, you know, as best as I could. Mm. Otherwise, I would have been like that all the way down to the hospital. Yeah, but anyway. Mm. So. Um, and so, once you were seen there, did they start? Um, was that were you saying that was when they sort of picked up on the placenta issue, or was that already passed by that time? Yeah, so they, I um, had again gone, I'd gone to like an independent um, radiologist to get like the, you know, 36 week sort of checkup to just make sure that the placenta had moved away. But it, um, and I was like more sensitive this time around because of what had happened in my first pregnancy. And um, she said, oh, we're going to have to do a, a, an internal ultrasound. And I said, oh, well, is that totally necessary? And she said, well, the hospital would prefer it or something like that. And I said, excuse me, like the hospital? Um, and so I just, again, it's just this like I have no, I was made to feel like I had no ability to consent to things happening to my body and you know it's like well if the hospital wants me to have an internal ultrasound well that's you know decision made <laughs> so, so I walked out of that so I hadn't been conf it hadn't been confirmed for me whether the placenta had moved or not and um, again I'm just getting told we have to do a transvaginal ultrasound we have to do this there's no like conversation about well this is this is the benefits of having this one. You know, we can do it. And it turns out they can do it over your stomach. <laughs> it's just not as precision, you know, as precise or as accurate as going vaginally. And I was actually comfortable with it just being on my stomach. And they said, oh, yeah, it's moved away. And I was happy with that. Like, that's that was enough for me. Mm. I guess if they'd said that they weren't sure or, you know, it was fairly close but, but um, you know, it was touch and go, then maybe, you know, you think differently. But if it's pretty clear, then it's not really, yeah. Exactly. And reason. that was my attitude the whole time. Like, you know, I will have that procedure if it's necessary. But if it's not necessary, you know, why should I? Like if I don't want to, you know. Um, but, yeah, so at the hospital with this SVT, I got 
problems from that angle with the placenta and they're saying um, I'd need to have a cesarean. I'm also being told because I had the SVT that if I went to birth naturally, I'd have to be monitored the whole time and, and this sort of thing. And I'd, there's no way I'd be able to home birth. But luckily, um, you know, the cardio cardiac specialist um came in um and he said oh no of course you can home birth no this is an svt it's you know this is not a chronic issue you know whatever yes i was very relieved um and he said that in front of the doctors which i was very relieved about too so they heard it from him um and was the was the svt sorry to interrupt you (laughs) was the svt pregnant was the st svt pregnancy related or was it just completely random yeah it's pregnant it was pregnancy related so it's like it's more likely to occur during a pregnancy but it's but it can also happen other times as well but yeah pregnancy increases the risk of it happening yeah okay and once you'd had all of that cleared up were you able was it a simple process to get discharged from the hospital or um yeah it was um I think they they did some ultrasounds on my heart. Everything looked good. Everything looked normal. It was just like that one freak event. Apparently, you can have it like once or twice in your lifetime, and it's and that's it. And it's just like um, sort of fairly well understood, but not like well understood as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so everything just went normally from there. And you mentioned she went into labour or had her a little bit earlier than Banjo. Yeah, how many weeks were you when you started to have some signs of labour starting? I think I was 40 and, 40 and 5 or 40 and 6? Yeah, maybe 40 and 5. And she was a fast labour. So as soon as I got... Um, I just started getting like a bit of cramping, a bit of back pain, and I, you know, instinctively went into um, child's pose one night, about, I don't know, seven-ish at night. <clears throat> and then it just ramped up really quickly from there. And we, I, I wish I had have realised, everyone kept saying, well, like, especially my midwife, she's like, it's going to be faster this time. This is what happens, you know, second babies are quick. <clears throat> But I just still pictured us being, I still pictured myself being in labour for 24 hours, just like last time. But it was, you know, five hours from start to finish and maybe like two or three hours active. Um, but she was, it was ferocious energy, this one. Like I tried to stay calm for maybe an hour or two, just breathing and doing hypnobirth. But, um, oh, just the impact was huge. So I was just like screaming and um, which felt amazing. Like it just felt so good to just let this energy tumble through me and really embrace it and fall into it and just get, you know, just roar. And we were alone for a lot of it. Um, And I, I put a face mask on, so I felt really internally focused. Um, even though I was by myself and I was in a room with the door closed and the lights were off, just that face mask gave me that extra level of um, yeah, internal focus. When you say you're alone, was Yogi in there with you or you're just completely on your own? He was sort of, yeah, floating about, setting things up, you know, lighting the fire, doing the pool, 
that kind of thing. Um, but I didn't need him or want him around me. I just really was really relishing the solitude and the, yeah. And also he had banjo to keep calm. So, yeah, it was just me. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I was on the toilet a lot and in the bathroom a lot. Um, and I'd sort of go from the toilet to the bed, to the toilet to the bed, and then, like, grab onto the <laughs> washing machine. And I, this is um, me being extra again. Like, out of all the things to worry about, um, I realised, you know, because I, I was having a photographer again, so I wanted to get, like, my nice stuff on. <laughs> like, I realised I wasn't wearing my earrings. And I'm like, <gasps> between contractions, Jogi, get me my earrings! <laughs> earrings in like between surges like oh such a diva <laughs> and I think um uh, yeah at what point did you make a decision to call the midwives it sound, yeah it seems like they must have arrived only only just in time by the sounds of it yeah they did so it was probably too late. I wish we had have called them earlier, but we just didn't realise. I think I was in denial as well. Like I could feel pushy feelings um, and like little Banjo, she was awake because I was screaming, but she'd come in and she'd like rub my arm and like try and comfort me and then I'd start screaming again and she'd run away in fright to Yorgi and then I'd stop and she'd come straight back in and start rubbing my arm and it was so sweet. But um, I got... Before we called, I got these pushy feelings that actually came with, like, pleasurable sensations. Like, I was stunned. Like, I just remember thinking, oh, my God, like, I could orgasm. <laughs> wow. And, and, yeah, twice it came. Like, it just, she was pushing down and I just sort of released and let it happen. And I was like, oh, but, but at the same time... I just felt really vulnerable as well, so I resisted that pleasurable feeling. Um, but I'm hoping maybe next birth um, I might be able to embrace that a little bit more and, and maybe have, like, a pleasurable birth. Um, but <clears throat> mm. those feelings were happening when I said, oh, my God, I think we better call someone. And I just, I th I, no, I think I told Yogi to call the photographer. Like, I didn't even want him to call. Yet. Priorities, right? <laughs> You've got your earrings on. It's time to call the photographer. <laughs> I think he made an executive decision, which um was the right one to call the midwife and to call our friend Kayla to come over for banjo. And so I think he Kayla came in first. Um, this is about like. Uh, quarter past 12 at night, like quarter past midnight, and she came in and got banjo, and I was like, Kayla, I think I just went through a transition. And she said I just was beaming and looked so excited. <laughs> and I hopped in the pool, and I think <clears throat> at that stage it just felt like I'd come out of a hallucination, like I'd been hallucinating before, and then I, oh, now all of a sudden I was awake again, and I got in the pool, and um, I, I think it was, too hot and so I jumped back out again and then Yorgi like I got another push like a, just an involuntary flex and Yorgi said she he could see her head and so I jumped in the pool 
was there for maybe five minutes and then Annie comes running through the door. Um, she put some medications or like, you know, some sterilizers or stuff on her hands. And I'm like, what the F is that smell? She's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like washes her hands off. <laughs> you know, me just being horrible to her like I do. And, uh, <laughs> and then I, I just remember talking to Wilkie and saying, oh, just slow down. It's okay. Like we can do, you know, everything's all right now. Just take your time and just gently, you know, gently feeling that um, ring of fire and just letting that stretch. I think she she got, her head came out <clears throat> up to her cheeks and she was just stuck there like that uh-huh. until the next surge. And I was like, oh, because I could feel my body trying to suck her back in. <laughs> like, oh. but like my urge of wanting to like pop her head out at least. It's like halfway. Do you feel like you're sort of holding her there almost? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a very strange sensation, but I just had to wait for the next surge to come along until her full head came out. And then I just, um, you know, I checked around her neck to see if the cord was there and it was clear. Um, so I waited for the next one and, and then out she came. And I loved this one because I was just able, I just, gave her shoulders a little wiggle and pulled her up and put her onto my chest and it was all done again. Mm, so amazing and it must have been so empowering to catch her yourself and and bring her it up. incredible. Yeah, mm. it really did. And how was, yeah, the sort of time immediately after birth, was it similar to the last time with the, some bleeding or, yeah, how did things go sort of in between the birth and the placenta coming? Yeah, well, um, we discussed having a managed third stage, so getting like the syntocinon shot, I think that's how you say it. And um, I, I consented to that because, you know, I didn't, I didn't mind. I didn't see any reason for me I, to have like um, uh, a natural third stage again. So um, I think that there was blood very quickly in the water again. So she got me out and got up, had the shot, got the placenta out quickly. And again, I had quite a large bleed, um, but I think it probably would have been a lot worse had I not had that shot. And um, I think I had to have two actually. And, then... and it was the placenta delivered entire this time? Yes, yeah, so no issues there. Um, which was good and Wilkie breastfed straight away as well, but she um, wasn't as easy as Banjo. Um, and I, like the first week, I had like cracked and bleeding nipples, and it was um, actually quite difficult, but sort of only took a week to establish. Um, maybe my nipples hardened up a little bit or something like that. But um, yeah, I think. Hmm. And. Um, how was the adjustment to having two rather than one and to Banjo and Wilkie, how, how was introducing them and kind of their journey, getting to know each other? Um, oh, Banjo was super excited. She was pretty smitten. I've got some gorgeous photos of her just um, loving on her little new little sister. And um, I was so lucky in my postpartum stage that I, by that time, I'd met, like, a wonderful group of women through um, 
my first birth with Banjo, like with our mother's group and all the other mothers group, you know, yoga and things I've been doing. Um, and my incredible friend, she's so amazingly generous, um, Kayla. She was the one who was also happened to be there at the birth. She had organised a meal train for me that went for like five weeks. Um, and I had, we had like beautiful home-cooked meals delivered to our house like virtually every day I think it might have only been a couple of days um, where we didn't get a delivery and so the other thing is like I come from quite a large family so I was very used to having you know lots of people around and lots of visitors so just to have like that constant stream of like of visitors bringing us food and like having a chat saying hello you know um, I just loved so much and it, yeah, it was really, really beautiful. I just, I was riding a high um, for months, just like Banjo's birth, you know, just for months afterwards. Mm, that's amazing. It sounds like you've got an amazing community. Five weeks, I mean, I think probably most or almost all mothers would be absolutely over the moon to have that kind of initial period of receiving extended to to that long I really yeah and I I don't think that the value of that support and so in such a practical way like a food you know being like nourishing and taking um you know and doing that labor for for the woman it just you cannot underestimate how powerful that is um and I it's just it's crazy that that's not a normal thing Mm, absolutely to do and I think it makes yeah. a difference for the fathers as well because it's also their time to bond with their baby and probably most of the time they just end up doing all of the other work that isn't you know is no longer getting shared between you absolutely absolutely mm. and we appreciated it so much like it yeah it it was so wonderful for us mm. and yeah, I guess following on from that birth, it sounds like an absolutely amazing experience. But, yeah, after those two birth experiences, is there anything that you would do differently or um, anything further that you'd like for a future birth? Yeah, well, you know, being the extra diva that I am, I want to get it on video next time. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit upset about Wilkie's birth because I had set up the video camera and I'd done all these tests and everything and all that needed to happen was for the record button to be pressed. But unfortunately, in the chaos, that didn't happen. So I missed out on that for Wilkie. So next time there will absolutely be a video <laughs> of whatever happens. Maybe you'll get your orgasmic birth on video. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty extra, I think. <laughs> uh, well, that, that, that is the plan. <laughs> yeah, and I guess uh, one last question that I'd love to, love to ask you to leave with any pregnant women who might be listening. Do you have any, any wisdom or any um, words to share with anybody who might be expecting a baby at the moment and and listening to this episode? I think the best thing that you can do is to listen to yourself, you know, like really get in touch with 
with your values and what matters to you and 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 embrace that and trust that and and make sure that you surround yourself with people who um, are going to support you to do whatever it is that matters to you um, because that's going to look different for all of us um, you know we all have different personalities and experiences and values so I think just this is really remembering that this is about you this is your birth you are like the most important person and your baby and you are not separate you know like you you are one and if anyone treats you like your baby is like something different to you or separate from you I don't know like maybe maybe don't trust them (laughs) (laughs) you know like your your health and like your experience are are just as valuable um as your baby like there's not that you you're not I'm I'm struggling to express it correctly because I just feel like we don't even have the language around this yet um, to talk about the dyad that is like the mother and baby. Mm. Well, there's a lot of focus um, yeah, on my, the the outcome for the baby and the baby being healthy and um, and that being the priority on top of everything else. So maybe what you're trying to say is to value your own experience and making sure that your own experience is what you need it to be as much as as much as the baby as well exactly beautifully said (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying (laughs) Um, well we're kind of running out of time now but thank you so much for sharing your beautiful stories that's yeah they were so inspiring and wonderful and i'm sure people are going to love listening to those so yeah thank you thank you Indy and thank you so much for this podcast I'm just loving all of the stories it's um been really enlightening so yeah thank you for your work Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode. You can find more photos from Banjo and Wilkie's births on my Instagram page, which is at keepbirthwild.podcast. And, yeah, once again, just wanted to give a shout-out to um, the Fairy Turtle, Kelly's project supporting Sisters Inside. Um, do make sure you head over and check that out as well. And, I'll um, yeah, I'll post that on social media with a link there so that you can find that easily. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week.